This evening I thought it it could be useful to talk about the way we operate on the basis of assumptions. I'm not quite sure why this theme came to my mind, probably because I got into trouble assuming something that wasn't true and um, recognizing, well, that's probably what a lot of us do a lot of the time. And whereas mindful assumptions, of course, are useful and understandable, uh, heedless assumptions, uninspected assumptions, can get us into a lot of uh, difficulty. And so I thought perhaps it could be useful to contemplate this theme together. I was reflecting on it and remembering when I first came to uh, Harnam, this monastery here, about 12 years ago now. And I was uh, quickly shocked to find out that uh, we had a, a legal case against us. The, the trustees were being accused of uh, seriously nasty shenanigans and it uh, took a lot of energy, a lot of time and a lot of money actually uh, to settle the matter. And uh, as I said, I was shocked that this could happen. And reflecting on it, I, I realised that I had a set of assumptions based on this idea that, you know, if you're a good good person and, you know, you're trying to be nice and making a few sacrifices and in the pursuit of goodness, that somehow, you know, life would turn out nice. And uh, that, you know, people would, <clears throat> people would like you, even love you, respect you and all that. And um, that's called being naive. Yeah? And, and that, of course, is at the root of when we get shocked. And and the consequences of getting shocked, as as probably all of us know, is you get thrown out of balance, and one's reactions can be heedless. And so, instead of an aware receptivity of the predicament, perhaps one's surprised. Being surprised is fine, positively or negatively surprised. One can be surprised, but there's still awareness can accommodate surprise. But for me, what being shocked means is where it's another level. It's beyond being surprised. It's where you, well, well, you're actually woken up. And what are you woken up out of? You're woken up out of some naive assumptions, some delusions. And, and so as unpleasant as that was, that experience was, it was seriously unpleasant, as unpleasant as being shocked out of our unawareness can be, uh, the wise thing to do is to find a way of trying to appreciate it. And say, well, that's good, actually. You know, I was operating on some false assumptions there. Yeah, not defaulting to, well, those solicitors, I mean, how wicked can you get? And, you know, which, of course, those thoughts did pass through my mind. 
all sorts of thoughts pass through my mind. And, but that's before one comes to terms with, well, you know, if I'm shocked about this situation, well, it's because I'm unaware. I mean, the situation is just so. You know, these people are making these accusations and the legal system is like this and, and so on. This is the way it is. So what's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that this was outside of what I was assuming was to be expected. So, of course, this sort of thing happens on all sorts of levels through our lives. I, I also can uh, remember back to my early days in Thailand, which was you know, 35, 36, 37, even years ago, and finding out uh, about how, how it seemed with some regularity New Zealanders got into trouble when they went travelling. And it was because New Zealanders are kind of these... They're sort of like, you know, hobbits without big feet. You know, they're kind of cute. You know, they're naive, gullible people. In fact, those of you who've seen the movie Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, it was filmed just a few miles away from where I grew up. It was a place called Matamata, and I, I grew up in a place called Moransville. And so it's a kind of, a, you know, people there are very nice. And you get around thinking, well, the whole world is nice. But if you end up in Thailand and... You know, buying a little weed on the beach with some guy you met, the next thing you know, you're being mugged and fed to the sharks in the Gulf of Siam. Yeah, there are some really bad people around, or certainly some people with bad motivations. Uh, probably, yeah, it's not, a, not accurate to talk about bad people, but certainly there are some people with some very bad motivations and some very dark mind states. And to get around with this naive attitude that everybody's nice and friendly and you can leave your door open, which is how I grew up, you know, we didn't lock our door, it was unthinkable. And if we grow up with a set of certain assumptions in our childhood or in the culture we grow up, and that doesn't mean to say those assumptions uh, continue to be valid. Uh, uh, likewise, uh, when we pick up the spiritual training, some of the assumptions we had about what was involved in practice in the beginning may have even served us well. Like children grow up with an assumption that they're safe, and it's part of mummy and daddy's job is to actually create this perception for, for the kids that they, they're in a safe environment and it conduces with all sorts of appropriate stages of development and hopefully you know, they can move through these stages and until what? Until they grow up and realise, well, actually, <laughs> whatever mummy and daddy told me, uh, the truth is that we're not safe. You know, mummy and daddy are going to die, I'm going to die, we're all going to die, and that could happen any time. You know, death is as close as our next breath. You know, we, we, don't, we breathe out, we don't breathe in, that's it, we're history. Just like that. It's that far away. Well, you don't go telling kids that. Uh, it's okay for kids to be having some, well, what are in effect false assumptions about life, but when you grow up, you don't want to operate on that basis. And, and so where we catch ourselves being caught out and lost in naive assumptions about life, uninspected assumptions about life, not mindful assumptions... Well, the thing to do is to, as quick as we can, say, oh, thank goodness, I've seen that one. It's, uh, it can be painful, it's, it's not nice. Um, and the tendency could well be when the pain arises, you know, what happens when pain arises? We were talking about this last week. When pain arises, the, 
the instinctual, uninspected, unaware reaction is to how do we get out of this? How do we get rid of this? Instead of listening to it and saying this is a message, the pain is a message, bring awareness here, there's something out of balance. You know, if we're not careful, we're not mindful, we assume something about that pain. If we're lost in pleasure, what happens when pain comes along? We don't get a message. Yeah. Well, of course, indulging in pain, that's not very smart either. You know, that, that's, 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 a bit, that's a bit off. But, but uh, to be mindful of pain, to be mindful of pleasure, means that we can learn, which, of course, is the, uh, the aim of the game. So when we get caught out and, uh, with our false assumptions, and sometimes I know as the abbot of the monastery here, part of my job is, is to set training guidelines and, and the context of my early training in Thailand equipped me with a certain set of assumptions. I lived with these great masters, Ajahn Tate, Ajahn Chah, and uh, in a culture of 200,000 monks or something that they've got in Thailand, and Buddhism's been there for however many hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and so I have, I have certain assumptions about the attitude in a monastery. When people come to join a monastery, what are they going to do? And so I set guidelines in the monastery, and there's these things you're supposed to do. And when people don't do them, I, yeah, I sometimes get tripped up, you know, you're supposed to ring the bell on time. If you don't ring the bell on time, well, that means you do the dishes twice in a row because you've got to, obviously your body's not quite up with where your mind is in practice, and so you've got to give yourself a little extra message. It's not a punishment; it's just a training. Say, so, okay, look, you're not up to scratch. You've got to encourage yourself, or, or the um, you know, the agreement that we have that nobody works in the office after nine o'clock at night. Very clear, well stated. Everybody agrees on it. And then you find out somebody is working the office after night. Where did that come from? It doesn't matter who you are, what your situation in the community is. If you want to be in the office after nine o'clock, you're supposed to ask permission. That's the deal. And somebody still goes and works in the office. And you say, "What's there?" Now, if we if we find when our assumptions about what is expected is hits an obstruction to the point where we we react. Well, that's the time to stop, you know, to stop and, and feel, what was it, what was, I hang, asking, what was I hanging on to that created this obstruction? What was I hanging on to? Because this is just life. I mean, people are like this. People do these things. Yeah. It's not like it's not going to happen. So where was I indulging in unawareness instead of making the difficult effort to grow in awareness? Because we all know. Surely that, uh, yeah, letting go can be hard work. You know, letting go of our assumptions can be hard work. And um, it's, some, it's much easier to just operate on the basis of assumption. You know, you're like giving out work in the monastery here, and some guests, and so, so wood needs to be cut, and so you, you know, people volunteer to help out in the monastery. Okay, could you cut the wood there? Well, it's easy to assume that everybody knows how to cut wood. It takes effort to stop and think, well, you know, you might know how to cut wood, but using a heavy axe and chopping wood, does everybody know how to use it? Quite clearly, you don't have to think very much before you realise, well, not everybody does know how to cut wood. You know, there's a way, you know, you put your feet in the right way, so if the axe slips, you don't hit your feet, and you wear proper shoes when you're cutting wood, and, and you hold the handle like that, and so, but that takes extra effort. And so it is with all of our, it's my sense that with all of our 
false assumptions, it does take effort to inspect them. But it's good effort. It's worthwhile. So to encourage ourselves to how to make this effort, as I said, it's easy to be lazy and not make the effort and just get around operating on the basis of our false, uninspected assumptions. But look what happens when we do that. You know, I mean, I think I've shared before about I was brought up to not talk to these family who lived across the road because they were Roman Catholics. They had a Virgin Mary in the garden. And I remember asking my mother once about it, and she said, we don't talk about those things. You know, obviously, our family were Protestants. <laughs> yeah. If I hadn't looked at that assumption about Roman Catholics, it was a very strong view that I grew up with. I mean, sometimes the Roman Catholic kids would come to our school and they would use our woodwork and cookery facilities. We wouldn't even talk to them. We'd, actually, if we did, we weren't very nice to them. We'd, you know, we were rude to them. And you have these sort of assumptions, you get conditioned in these ways, and look what happens in our world. Whereas if we're living with awareness, if our commitment to edgeless, limitless awareness is being honoured, then we inspect these assumptions. All of them. All of them. We, we don't let anything get by. Be willing to check all of them. And that's, that's practice, being willing to check all of our assumptions. And, and there's nothing that, that we shouldn't be willing to look at. I have a, uh, a couple of uh, friends, uh, some very nice people I've known for many years. Uh, they're well in their 80s now, well in their 80s, and live on the south coast. And uh, they, they shared with me quite some years ago how uh, when they go to bed at night and they say good night, they'll say, see you in the morning if I'm still here. And uh, they're both committed Buddhists, <clears throat> and they don't want to... They don't want to take life for granted because they know that spoils it. If you take life for granted, you spoil it. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the results of our false assumptions. You know, we take things for granted, we take life for granted. And they weren't being morbid. They're not, you know, these people are not sick. These are, these are very fine, very, very fine, very happy people. They, they can talk about the fact that one of them is going to go before the other. They know absolutely this. We talk about their funeral. In fact, almost every time I go to see them, we talk about their funeral. It's kind of the object of our conversation and what we're going to do at their funeral. It's not a problem for them. They're willing to question the assumptions they have, we all have, about you know, the fact we're going to wake up tomorrow, that life is permanent. And look what happens when the evidence of the reality comes to us that life is not permanent. What happens? We regularly, very easily shocked. And what happens when we're shocked? Then we have all sorts of shock reactions, which take a lot of energy and can take a very long time before we find our balance again. And nothing went wrong. All that happened was the inevitable, the absolute guaranteed inevitable, if you're born, you're going to die. And yet one of our reactions when the inevitability of life confronts us we say something's gone wrong. You know, that's one of our defences, one of our denials about the reality of life. Is it shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't happen. And so this, uh, this lovely couple, they have this, this exercise that they do and see in the morning if I'm still there. So it's still here. So that they don't take life for granted. And we regularly take life for granted. And, and it's not the fact that, it's not that there's anything wrong with having the assumption I'm going to wake up in the morning. You know, that's a reasonable assumption. If I didn't assume that, well, then I probably wouldn't bother having a diary. And I do. I have a diary. It's very full. 
That's how I organize my life. It's, it makes it it's very convenient to have a diary. Uh, this appointment, that appointment, I'm going to do this tomorrow, I've got to ring this person, I've got to finish that project. And, and so I can forget about it because it's efficient that way, having a diary. Because I, I assume I'm going to wake up in the morning. But there's a difference between having an assumption carefully and mindfully that we're willing to inspect. You say, well, I do expect to wake up in the morning. It's a reasonable assumption. I'm only 60-something years old and, um, you know, no significant evidence that I'm going to die immediately. So it's a reasonable assumption. But it might happen. You never know. You know I'm under a lot of pressure. I could have a brain hemorrhage and die in the middle of the night. And that's, that's quite possible. Yeah. But it doesn't seem likely. So we're willing to question it, but we still allow ourselves to have the assumption. Yeah. So that's a mindful assumption. That doesn't have to be a problem. If we can do that. Well, sometimes we... Sometimes we indulge, we allow ourselves to indulge in false assumptions because we somehow, we don't really admit that it's actually being lazy. We, we just somehow think that it's, uh, it's like, well, sometimes you can think that it's even virtuous. Like I've, I've noticed in our monasteries, sometimes people will be promoted, they'll be elevated to a position that really they're not capable of meeting their responsibility. And it was, uh, it was wishful thinking, in my view. It was wishful thinking. But somehow you feel like you're, you know, you're elevating somebody, you're doing something good. But the effort it takes to stop and really ask the questions, what, is, what does all of me think about this person's readiness? If we stop, if we slow down, and really just... Maybe even ask the person, you know, taking the time to ask the difficult questions. It's much easier to assume that they can do the job and just give it to them. And then if they fail, you say, well, that was their problem. Well, well, maybe it wasn't their problem. If we were in the position of empowering them, maybe it was our problem for not inspecting our assumptions. And so sometimes we can, we can feel it's virtuous to indulge in uninspected assumptions. I was um, heartened... Some years ago, listening to a talk by uh, the Venerable Moranaka Sokaroshi, who uh, I might have shared this with you before, I don't remember, but he, was, he had a monastery in Japan and, and he was, they regularly took students from the university to their monastery. They'd come and do a short period of training, uh, similar to, I guess, how things are done in Thailand. And, and he was explaining how uh, he would sometimes assume things that turned out to not be accurate, and he described how these students arrived, and he asked one of them to go and light the fire for the bath, the hot water tub, the hot tub, which they have there in Japan. They have these lovely hot tubs, which I think all monasteries should have, but um, they don't. But anyway, he asked, <laughs> he asked uh, the student, oh, would you go and light the fire? So the student goes and lights the fire. It wasn't long before somebody else came and said, oh, the student at the fire, but he didn't put any water in the tub. And say, well, you know, that wasn't very clever. <laughs> you, know, you think you're doing this guy a favour by assuming that he's got the... You know, he's university, you know, and smart. You know, he's intelligent. Well, she's intelligent, you know. Obviously, they've got a degree in something, so they must be clever. Well, <laughs> sometimes we've got to just... Sometimes we've just got to... Sometimes we've just got to slow down. And, of course, if we're caught up in the momentum of my way which is not the Buddha's way. The Buddha's way is always in harmony with reality. 
You know, if you're in harmony with reality and reality is going fast, you go fast. If you're in harmony with reality and reality is going slow, you go slow. But for us, it's basically, I want this now and it doesn't matter about reality. We just move in accordance with the energy of desire. So often it's the case that what we need to do is be willing to pull back, disengage from this momentum of my way and just slow down and be careful. Be more careful. Be more careful with our body and speech. If we want to investigate the patterns, the habits of our false assumptions, this is one way we can approach them. It's just by slowing down. We we don't necessarily recognize these patterns if we're going too fast. The precepts, keeping a a serious commitment to the precepts helps us slow down. If we're not, not just keeping the precepts in terms of the form of the precepts, Keeping the word of the precepts is one thing, but keeping the spirit, actually using the precepts so as to reflect back and say, what was my motivation when I was doing that, saying that? Using the precepts, the form of the precepts, to bring our attention back, to slow down until we get in touch with that. And being, being more careful about our body, our speech, and being more careful about our minds, our moods, and... And this is where, again, quoting Ajahn Chah, his, his, his definition of Buddhism was, was simplify your life and watch your mind. I, I know I've talked about this many times before. I think it's a very helpful formula. Buddhism can appear so complicated and so much said about it and it's also amazing, and it is, but we can make it so amazing and so complicated that we can't do it. So sometimes bring it back to the level where we can do it. And I find this level, I can, I, can, I can hear this. Simplify your life and watch your mind. So simplify your life and don't do too much. Don't, don't take on too much. Because if we do, then we're not going to see where we're coming from false assumptions. We're just going to be a victim of our conditioning. And these assumptions we have about our body, these assumptions we have about our moods, these assumptions we have about the self, the obstructions that come up in meditation, these like anger or hurt, old hurt, and you're doing some meditation, and up comes some memory of some old hurt, some old pain that's been locked away in, in the nervous system or the body somewhere, and you, you haven't thought about that for years. And if we're going too fast, if we're caught up in the momentum of my way, if we're not really following the Buddha's way, which is the way of edgeless awareness, here and now, embodied awareness, if we're caught up in the momentum of my way, then the false assumption is this is intolerable. It really can appear, I'm sure we all know this, these, these moods, these feelings, they really do appear intolerable at times. This is too much in a relationship. This person is absolutely too much. The number of times I've felt that about people that I live with, this is absolutely too much. This is intolerable. I will not, I cannot put up with this any longer. And if we follow that assumption, we make life awfully complicated. Whereas if we have a willingness and an interest, of course is really important, an interest in inspecting, investigating these conditioned assumptions on which we base so much of our activity, then one of these real heavy numbers comes along. Instead of being convinced by the way it appears, maybe what comes up is, well, maybe. It really looks this way. It really looks this way. 
And so we withhold our assumption, we withhold our belief in the way it appears, and we wait and we wait, we hold the tension. And if we do that, then sometimes you find this is, it disappears at its own accord. Letting go happens. Now we've all heard, of course, about letting go is what we're supposed to do, clinging is what we're not supposed to do, letting go is what we're supposed to do, but we can't do it. <laughs> it's a great thing to talk about. It's very easy to talk about letting go, but it's very difficult to do. Well, in fact, it's not something we do. In my experience, letting go is what happens when we've slowed down, brought ourselves back to the body, brought ourselves back to here and now, let go of our judgments and our assumptions about reality until we meet this reality as it is, and the momentum of avoidance of the reality of this moment dissipates and then letting go happens. But this takes, this takes effort. So if we do, in small ways, uh, question these false assumptions until we see through them, we see the false as the false, as it says in the Dhammapada verse 11 and 12, uh, which uh, when you mistake the false for the real and the real for the false, you live a life of falsity. When you see the false as the false and the real as the real, you attain to the perfectly real. You know, one of my favorite couplets in the Dhammapada that uh, uh, my understanding is it's referring to the perfectly real as, as the ultimate real, uh, the super mundane, but I, I trust, I believe, that the principle also can be applied to the mundane, the everyday life, that, that when we see a false assumption as false, letting go can happen. If we just keep believing that the false is real, my opinions, my views, my ways, my rights, my attachments are all justified, so long as we stay in that momentum... Well, it's very extravagant, to say the least. Energy extravagant, to say the least. Life is a perpetual struggle. Why? Because we're not according with the real. We're not according with the way things are. If we start to see, we start to actually see our false assumptions as false assumptions and how all-pervasive this is. How you know, This is all over the place on all sorts of levels. Yeah. It's kind of shocking when you start to see it. Say, wow, I believe that? Wow, thank goodness I've seen it. Then we get enthusiastic, enthusiastic and energetic for relating to these false assumptions in a new way, relating with investigation rather than just being drawn along by them. And when there is that enthusiasm, there is that interest in investigating these assumptions, then we're willing to put up with a lot of, we can take a lot more pressure we can, we, if, if we just we hear some teaching about oh you know you're supposed to frustrate your defilements or you're supposed to put up with suffering and until letting go happens well that's all well and good it might be true but why is it true well this is one reason why it's true if we start to see for ourselves the the all-pervading nature of these false assumptions and how much they they undermine our well-being we start to see that well then we're well motivated we're well motivated to put up with the frustration that comes from not just following our assumptions. When we don't follow our assumptions, when we don't just follow our habits, our conditioning, it's frustrating. You get this feeling of... Sometimes life can really hurt and the, 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 the conditioned reaction is, he hurt me, so I'm going to hurt him. Or her. That's the... That's, it's going to make me feel better if I hurt them. 
That's an assumption. That's an unexpected assumption. It's a reaction. And, uh, or disappointment you know, with yourself or with life or the world. Any crazy behavior that some people get up to. Uh, you know, you see something on the news and you catch yourself getting all indignant. How could it be that way? How could they do such a thing? <laughs> you say, well, you know, don't get carried away with your false assumptions. <laughs> Slow down. And inspect and say, what were you hanging on to? This naive attitude towards life, as if people shouldn't be this way. Life is like this. Now, we don't just stop with life is like this and say, whatever, you know, and crack another beer and, <laughs> and, and watch uh, who wants to be a millionaire or something on television. They say, say, oh, life is like this. Well, I don't want to be caught up in that. Yeah, that's the next step. And what do we do then? We say, well, I'm not going to follow these assumptions that I have about life. You know, where I come across a false assumption, I'm going to investigate it. I'm going to frustrate it. Really frustrate it. And it can really feel like you should react. You should do this. It really can feel like you've got to do this. You've got to say, well, not sure. Not sure. You wait and you wait. And let the energy build up. Let the intensity build up. But you don't move on it. You wait until it dissipates. It disappears. So, wow, look at that. I didn't react and it solved itself. And when we do see that, the more we see that, the more often we see that, then the more we're motivated to live life with patience, with kindness, with gentleness, but also a willingness to question and investigate the assumptions on which we live our lives. So thank you very much for your attention this evening. Thank you very much for your attention this evening.